All right, you've finished listening to part one. So now here's the remainder, part two coming up. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guests and hosts will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. So what what was the visa process like, you know, when you needed to enter these countries? So like Japan, you know, you guys stayed for years, you know, you, you were in Al- Albania for years. Um, and then now here in Mexico. Yeah, our process actually started out relatively easily because, as I said, my husband was recruited to teach for this very large company. They had lots of staff that were entirely dedicated to getting him through that visa process. And I was really tagging along as his dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, But after a couple of years, when we founded our own business, we actually established the business, we established our visas and our legal residency in the country through our business. And that was something, again, a a complete administrative tangle of red tape that we never could have navigated without the help of our legal team and lots of friends and advisors who helped us going back and forth through different government offices and translating paperwork and making sure that we had all the necessary documentation that we needed. Um, So it was a really rewarding process and we were thankful that we were able to do that. Um, But that's not always available in every country. So it's important to be able to investigate the legal ins and outs to make sure that people are following that appropriately. Uh, But since we've started our travels, uh, honestly, it's been a privilege and a blessing to carry a U.S. passport because mm-hmm. we have the ability to visit as tourists, um, you know, sometimes for anywhere from 60 days or 30 to 60 days up to a full year um, of visa-free travel. Mm-hmm. Um Again, it's important to note that those rules are changing constantly. So, um, you know, part of the research that I'm constantly doing as we book our travels and our accommodations in different parts of the world is double checking to make sure what those rules are and how they might have changed since we have last visited a region. And the embassy websites are really good about making sure that we have the most up-to-date information, usually for getting all of that information. What what's what was the conversation like between, you know, you and your husband about raising a child abroad in a place that, you know, is is not the original home of their parents? Like, what was that conversation like? And and what what has it been like? Well, the conversations around having a child were something that my husband and I had even before we got married. Mm -hmm. Um, As a black woman growing up in the United States, I knew Mm -hmm. that there were some very specific things that were going to be challenges inherent in parenthood Mm -hmm. uh, from the time I was a young child. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my husband, uh, again, having spent a lot of time growing up in the South and also being a white man, 
added another layer of complication to that. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. those were important discussions that we had from the very beginning. Uh, but we were also married for 10 years and we had been living in Japan for about three of those years before I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So again, we had a lot more experience, both knowing ourselves as adults and knowing each other as a married couple and getting to know the new country and culture and language in which we would begin raising a child. So this was something that it felt like we'd been preparing for for decades <laughs> before our son came along. Um, and then having started the school so quickly after he was born, there were, again, so many very deep and intense and nuanced conversations about what our ideas of education and daily life were going to look like as a family of three rather than just the two of us. You know, at that point, my husband and I had both been teaching for many years. And so we had lots of our own individual expectations about what our son's education might look like. But then, of course, he comes along with his own complete personality and uh, everything that we thought we knew got turned completely on its head. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was really amazing to us to really involve him mm -hmm. in that process. So as I said, when we decided to make the leap from Japan to Italy, uh, our son was five years old at the time, and he was just as involved in the discussions as my husband and I were. And he continues to be involved in his education, in our travel plans, you know, for the future. All of those things are discussions that we have as a family. We really have worked hard at de-schooling ourselves, mm -hmm. helping, to, you know, break through a lot of the uh, just tradition for the sake of tradition kinds of stuff that we grew up with, mm -hmm. uh, especially the parts that really didn't serve us in order to really be respectful of our child for the yeah. independent individual that he is. So when people ask us a lot, you know, well, you know, what does homeschooling look like for you or unschooling? What does that mean? Well, it really means that, you know, our child gets to learn in a very organic way that's meaningful to him. Mm -hmm. And he has, you know, just as much say in what that looks like. And, you know, it's not dictated to him by the adult. How have you helped him to uh, adapt to living abroad? Like, I mean, like create a sense of home. You know, we really have a lot of family rituals, you know, a day-to-day -day kind of settling in process that happens for us that, you know, might be revised or tweaked or whatever as we move from one city or country to the next, but that's really unique to our family. You know, this idea of, you know, gathering together for a family meal, which we always do together, you know, at least twice a day, is something that really creates that sense of home for us. And, you know, it might be that we go off and, you know, do our different things over the course of the day. You know, I might be recording videos for my YouTube channel or teaching a cooking workshop or going out to meet with friends. But, you know, we still have that time where we come together as a family. And it might be something, you know, as simple as going to a local park 
to play or <laughs> um, hanging out, you know, meeting up with friends and then coming back in and curling up in bed to read a story or watch a movie together. Um, but basically we just, you know, have this kind of process that we've come to enjoy where we are just blessed to be able to live our lives in a way that helps fuel our passions and allows us to explore our curiosities, do work that we enjoy, and, you know, still have the time and the energy to give the best of ourselves to one another. And that's been really the most important thing for us about creating a home wherever we land. It's making sure that, you know, we're making time for Let's cut to a quick commercial break. Enjoying the podcast? Then support the podcast. Click here to donate in the show notes and keep the cool interviews with guests from around the world going. Check out the blog for handy information about living abroad and buy the ebook, a great guidebook for moving abroad. Find the blog and ebook at the website arewehomeyetpodcast.com. Again, that's arewehomeyetpodcast.com. You can also donate on the website by scrolling all the way to the bottom and finding the donate button. All right, back to the show now. For one another. What positive things have you seen in them from from their experience living abroad? You know, like, I don't know, like language skills, openness to the world, curiosity, anything like that, that that you look and you think, you know, wow, that this would not have been their experience, maybe back home in America. Oh, there are so many things that I marvel about as I watch my child growing up from day to day, month to month, year to year. Um, But the thing that excites me the most, that makes me the happiest, is that he really has grown up with the freedom, the encouragement to be exactly who he is. (laughs) My child is outspoken. He is uh, very loquacious when he wants to be, articulate Mm -hmm. uh, in multiple languages. Um, But he has a freedom from the oppressive expectations of others that often makes me jealous. Mm -hmm. And as I chat with family and friends who are still living in the United States, um, friends I've known for decades who are teaching in public and private schools across the country, family members who have skin even darker than my black skin, I am most thankful that he has an inherent fearlessness that I know he would not have had if he had grown up, you know, like I did, like my peers did, even like some of my other younger family members are growing up within the borders of the continental United States. And for that, I am eternally thankful. Um, 
and grateful for the privilege every day, giving him a different lived experience of a childhood from which hopefully he won't have the same kinds of trauma mm-hmm. to overcome to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in the, the expat groups that I join, you know, and some of them are, you know, specifically geared to Black people. And then, you know, mm-hmm. others are just general expat groups. I always yeah. notice that the ones with, uh, that are geared towards Black people, the, the, that conversation comes up again and again, you know, especially when we see things uh, that are news stories that are, are very hurtful um, related to Black people in America. And, and it's always the same, you know, um, statement that's made that it's like, you know, I'm so, I'm so thankful I left. I enjoyed America. My family's from America. You know, I was, I was, you know, like comfortable or content in America, whatever it is, you know, they might be saying, but you know, they always say the same thing. You know, I, I'm more mentally well, (laughs) you know, overseas. I, I have less concern about my safety. You know, I feel that, you know, I can have more opportunity, um, for, um, earning income, um, you know, uh, uh, meeting a partner, uh, more, more options. Um, so it's always very interesting, you know, the, the, um, uh, let's see, there's a word that I'm thinking of the tip of my tongue, the, the abundance, really, I can't think of a better word, but the abundance that a person of color or a black person really receives when they they live abroad i've noticed it's it's way it's way beyond when i've when i've interviewed uh people who are are not people of color i noticed that it's it's way beyond anything that that they mentioned as being you know a, a joy in living abroad yeah I, absolutely uh, you are absolutely correct and there was a a, a sense of oppression um the, the bias of racism that I grew up with that I shouldered and didn't even realize just how much it really weighed me down mm-hmm. until I was free of it, you know, mm-hmm. living my life without that burden. And it's something that I am thankful my son has grown up without. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last few years, this term Blacksit has really become yes. more popular mm-hmm. in community as Black Americans are looking for the kind of abundance you describe outside of U.S. borders. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, there absolutely is racism, there absolutely is bias, mm-hmm. there absolutely is oppression, just like that in all parts of the world. There's no escaping anywhere. But it's different. Mm-hmm. And I reflect quite frequently on just how different it is as, you know, we have variations on the talk, which Black parents will definitely know and recognize and come to understand. And more people who are not Black are beginning to learn about through the sharing of stories from Black people who have grown up in the United States or Black people who have grown up under the kind of oppression like apartheid that you mentioned in places mm-hmm. like South Africa or other places around the world where Black automatically equals bad yeah. from a societal mm-hmm. perspective for some reason. 
what we have faced, you know, both me personally as a black person, but my family as a multiracial family traveling the world is so much more curiosity mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. anything else. Uh, in fact, I had uh, the most amazing conversation that I remember overhearing with my child and some other children who were playing around at the pool uh, when we were vacationing in Lake Ord. This was the first time that our family had taken a trip through North Macedonia. We had been, you know, traveling in and around the Balkans. And it was hilarious as I listened to my son because it was exactly the sort of conversation that let me know that not only was his lived experience so very different from my childhood, but it was perfectly normal and natural for him. And it just got me excited. But like I said, he and these children were just playing in the pool. And a child asked him, you know, where do you live? And my son said, well, here for now. And then another child asked, no, 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 where are you from? And my son's answer was Japan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, obviously lots of people have given him confused looks when he answers that but that's where he was born Mm -hmm. and so this other child asked well really you don't look Japanese is that where you came from and my son was like no actually we came here from Greece um living just like wait so so what you know I'm sure the child's even more confused now (laughs) so confused he said no we came here from Greece but I was born in Japan and so another child asked oh so you live in Greece and my son said well yeah I did earlier this summer but I live here now and (laughs) the first child asked well wait where will you go home to when you leave here my son said Albania (laughs) <laughs> and so the child said, oh, okay, so you're Albanian. My son said, no, I'm American. <laughs> and oh, all of the children God. were confused. And the child said, wait, so where do you live again? And my son took a deep breath. And he said, okay, hold on. Let me explain it for you one more time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as I, like I said, I overheard this conversation and all I could do was laugh because here was my child, you know, just a perfectly normal, natural, logical way for him explaining you know how we move around the globe and I can imagine how much incredulity I would have been met with in my childhood having a conversation like that with my peers but Mm -hmm. it was perfectly normal and natural for him and this is the way that he engages with the world that you know what we do that's just my normal and your normal might be different but that's how we learn and grow from one another what can I learn from you and you know what might you be able to learn from me and that that freedom that openness that generosity of spirit that's the kind of stuff that lets me know that we're doing a few things right at least as parents and I'm happy to be able to continue that for as long as possible we've always had conversations surrounding racism and bias and colorism and all of those things just because those are things that come up daily in our household as a multiracial as a multicultural family Mm -hmm. but the conversations surrounding how he might need to change his behavior his posture his actions because of those perceptions in the United States are something that is completely different from everywhere else we've lived around the world. (laughs) I always find it hilarious that, you know, people in the United States have expressed lots of concern over the years about us traveling to different parts of the world, whether it was Mexico Mm -hmm. or Albania, again, based on nothing more than 
media stereotypes and, you know, the horrible kinds of racist bias that are perpetuated out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thankful that my son is learning out of his own personal experience, not from fear passed down through ignorant misconceptions and we're not perpetuating the sort of racist stereotypes that people often have when they simply don't know yeah and that's really important for him because that not just his his fearlessness his uh but his innocence is you know it's the sort of thing that as parents as adults we we ought to all want to protect and preserve and prolong in our children for as long as possible. And again, we've been really privileged to be able to do that in the way that we have because of the lifestyle that we lead. If there is anything that I hope my child takes into adulthood from our experiences, you know, whether we stopped traveling and settled down in one place tomorrow, or we continue doing that until, you know, he's ready to go off on his own and do his own thing. It's that he doesn't have to be put in a box by, you know, what other people believe he should, you know, say, think, do, look like, speak, whatever. He really has the freedom to be himself Mm -hmm. and that he can develop and continually develop the skills that can help him to feel at home everywhere in the world, because Mm -hmm. that's where he belongs, wherever he wants to be doing whatever he wants to do. And I want I want to nurture that sort of bravery like you describe in him too. I think that's what we all want for our children. You know, as parents, we want to see them happy, but we also want to ensure that they can thrive in their environment Mm. and living as global citizens the way that we have I really feel like we have helped to provide for him a springboard Mm -hmm. that will give him the confidence to make his home wherever in the world he chooses. And that's a really exciting prospect as a parent. You and your husband said, okay, yes, we will go abroad. But, you know, earlier in life was travel internationally or domestically? Was that something you and your family engaged in? Did you guys have conversation about, you know, the, the world at large? Like what, what was, what was your experience? Well, you know, before I even knew the term world schooling, I, I was a world schooler. I grew up with, you know, my mother who is a professional educator mm-hmm. since before I was born, um, you know, always uh, teaching and creating environments in which I could learn and grow and thrive. And so uh, growing up in San Diego, California, I was literally just a stone's throw from the Mexican border. And I remember as a young child growing up, you know, going into Tijuana and even deeper in Baja, California, and to do activities like, you know, shopping or extracurricular activities as, you know, we did throughout our childhood. So just like some people will go to a mall on the other side of town or, you know, go to participate in sports or art activities, you know, somewhere that's 20 or 30 minutes away, you know, we would do the same thing, except it would be in Mexico sometimes. And so I did grow up 
with that sort of freedom of international travel. In fact, we didn't even have to have passports back at that time to be able to cross the border back and forth. But I also really contrast that with the um, financial insecurity that came with you know, being raised for much of my childhood by a single mother. And so there was both the richness of a multicultural upbringing and also the very stark knowledge that some of the things that I aspired to do might be a challenge, but that it was a challenge I could overcome. And so I, we didn't travel as a family like, you know, crisscrossing the country or traveling to different continents and things like that. Uh, but my mother always did. Oh, wow. Actually, I look back at what my mother was able to provide and what my parents were able to provide for us in my childhood. And I am amazed at the richness of the experiences that they were able to gift me with before I really started working and providing for myself. And because I enjoyed the travel that I had, I was always excited to do more. And when my husband and I got married, uh, the first thing that we did was elope. <laughs> and uh, then we ran off on a cruise around Western Europe. So mm-hmm. international travel has always been a part of our lives together. Mm-hmm. And it's something that helped us not only to establish our identity as a couple separate from you know our family units but also to really help us to live out the values that we express which is you know about learning and growing and experiencing the world in whatever ways we can so this world schooling lifestyle that we lead the freedom that we have the privilege of traveling as nomads is really kind of our way of sharing those values, of living those values with and for our child, for the people that we teach, for the folks that you know follow us on our blog or social media, um, because it really is an educational experience and not just something that we want to hoard for ourselves, but something that we want to share with as many people as possible. Because, you know, as I mentioned, before we took off for Japan, mm-hmm. we had no idea that there were people that lived this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just picking up and living and establishing or continuing a career outside the passport country was a huge leap for us. And then selling it all and making a move to another country was another big leap. Didn't necessarily feel quite as huge because the language barriers, the familiarity with the culture, the food was not quite as different. But with every move that we make with every new city and country we experience, we recognize that this is something that we can continue to learn and continue to grow and we can get better at, essentially. It's not just something that people either can do or can never do, but it is something that people can learn to do. It's something that people can aspire to and actually achieve. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't want, in this amazing technological age in which we are living, there are so many more opportunities 
now than there were 15 years ago when we took off on this adventure. So many more resources and uh, experiences, just the stories that are available to people who don't know what the lifestyle might look like for them. There are so many more people out there doing it and sharing it so that others can begin to imagine a broader set of possibilities for their life. And so I'm always excited to be able to share of our experiences in order to be able to enrich others, to encourage them uh, for what's possible and to strive to achieve more than they might have previously imagined. As you've noticed, and as you continue to hear with all of the stories that you learn from all the people that you interview, there is so much more that connects us mm -hmm. than divides us. And, yeah. you know, that's why I enjoy having these kinds of conversations in and around food. And so I hope that you will join me again on another call another time so that I can interview you and we can dive even deeper oh, yeah, absolutely. food and memories and you know you don't have to apologize for the tears or the emotion because <laughs> that's who we are as human beings well I was trying to be so like you know like professional like hey I'm a podcaster it, you know what I mean I'm, I'm conducting this interview and then it's like that I just start like <laughs> No, but that's exactly what makes you who you are and what makes you different and special. And that's why people are going to continue to tune in because they feel those same emotions that you yeah, feel too. Yeah. And, and they want to come back for more. So, okay. So speaking, so this is actually going to be the last question. Um, so speaking about, you know, like how I said, you know, family can, friends can be family, but you know, yes, they, they are always like, you know, extra on the periphery of, you know, your own core relationship with your own family, your own, you know, like the, the people who you have grown up with. Um, so, you know, what has it been like making friends abroad? I can be the biggest social butterfly and uh, having, you know, been traveling for as long as we have and connecting with people in a variety of different online communities as well. Uh, it no longer feels so, you know, scary. There's no more trepidation about landing in an unfamiliar place anymore. I mean, you know, unlike when my husband and I first landed in Japan and we didn't know anybody, now it feels like almost everywhere I go, there is, you know, if not somebody that I know who has been there, there might be somebody that I know who does currently live in a place. Um, so even just landing here in Guanajuato, a city in central Mexico where I had never been before, you know, within less than 48 hours, I was welcomed by a smiling face with a friend that I had been working with online for years. And it was like, you know, we'd long lost friends. We like, we've known each other for decades. We just finally landed in the same city at the same time. So making friends has become oh, so much easier uh, over the years, um, out, even outside of the online connections. Now just you know, going to a place and like you said, you know, people are surprised to know that we're actually living our lives mm. here. But, you know, we're not just on vacation. We are just living our normal day to day life. So 
whether it's like, um, you know, my husband and he likes to still lift weights and stuff. So he'll go to the gym and make friends there. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy cooking. So I wander slowly around the marketplace asking people questions and uh, or lingering in restaurants and talking to the staff there about what they do and how they like it. And that's literally how I make friends everywhere. I've got friends that I've had for years in multiple countries, some of whom um, our relationship started with me, you know, asking questions while I was out shopping. Um, But just doing the sorts of things that we enjoy doing, we meet people along the way. And yeah, our circle of friends continues to grow. And it's a a really, really wonderful way to live. Thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast. Are We Home Yet? A podcast where I talk to expats around the world and find out what's it like living abroad, the struggles, the joys, everything in between and all around those questions and answers. And, you know, hopefully we're inspiring future expats to also take the leap and chance to maybe experience something beyond their dreams, life changing, you know, even if it's for a few months or for a few years or for the rest of their life. So I hope everyone has a great day as well as you too. Have a great day, Karen. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.